0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at
1: 6.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. A Surrey family is questioning the emergency response after they were terrorized by a late night intruder who managed to break into their home.
1: They called 911 when the man was screaming and pounding on the front door. The family was traumatized, but as Krista Dow reports, RCMP never showed up to the home.
3: The screams and pounding jolted awake a Surrey family.
4: I was feeling anxious and scared. I was like, Who is this person? Why is he banging on our door?
3: It happened just after 5 a.m. A shirtless man outside their Surrey home repeatedly tries to break in. eventually smashing through the front door of the house before being thrown back out by Vasia's husband.
4: My kids were awoken. They were all scared and shaken. In the meantime, I called 911 uh, for help. I spoke to an operator and nobody came.
3: The encounter lasted 13 minutes, with the suspect finally leaving on his own. But hours later, the family says RCMP still hadn't arrived to their home. This is the lock that he broke. So now I can't lock the door. It stays open. They say the response, or lack of, left them feeling even more vulnerable.
4: makes me feel not safe. Like, What's the point of calling 911 if they're not going to come? We have to protect ourselves.
3: Surrey RCMP say officers were nearby searching for the man who was arrested within 15 minutes of the initial call. Police say he was intoxicated.
5: Our priority is safety. Unfortunately, um, you know, given that the priority was locating that person, um, yeah, officers did not go and knock on the complainant's door uh, immediately. It
4: would be a different scenario, I think, if the RCMP had just came and told us, like, hey, listen, we have the guy. You're safe.
3: Vasia says RCMP eventually came by to follow up about the break-in and to offer an apology. She's hoping the next time there's a better response. I just want to be safe. I want
4: my family to be safe.
3: Krista Dow, Global News.
2: And Surrey RCMP are investigating an overnight shooting in Wally. Police received reports a man had been shot near a convenience store on the corner of 132 Street and 104th Avenue just after 2 a.m., A 44 year old man was found suffering from gunshot wounds. He was taken to hospital with serious injuries. Police say it appears there was an altercation between two people who knew each other, which then escalated into the shooting. Officers are now working to identify possible suspects.
1: Zachary Armitage was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 25 years after admitting his guilt in the murder of Martin Payne in 2019. Armitage spoke in court today, expressing remorse for the crime. And as Grace Key reports, the Way Payne's family reacted might surprise some people.
6: Genuine and meaningful is how Martin Payne's family described an apology made by the man who stabbed and bludgeoned to death their father and brother.
5: It felt incredibly genuine, actually, um, and so I, I think I think that's that meant a lot to all of us, and it'll be something that helps us to
6: move forward. All the words he said to us, I think, really did come from his heart. And he regrets what he did. At his sentencing, Zachary Armitage told the family of Martin Payne, I'm disgusted with myself and the pain I have caused. It was horrific, disgusting, I hate myself. And the pain that you guys got that I caused, I wish I could take it. I wish I could take it away. I would give my life for his. I'm sorry. Armitage received an automatic life sentence with no possibility for parole in 25 years after pleading guilty to first-degree murder. He and James Lee Bush escaped from a Vancouver Island prison in 2019 The two broke into Payne's machosen home and killed him with a hatchet and knife when he returned from work. Last month, the jury found Bush guilty of first-degree murder.
5: We always, throughout the process, felt that Zachary was um, more likely to offer sincere engagement with us than, than, than Bush would. We felt quite a lot of disrespect from Bush.
6: In court, Martin's sister addressed Armitage directly. She talked about the lifetime of trauma he must have endured and hoped he could find healing in prison. I felt compassion for the human being in him, the human side of him. And I felt the first day I saw him come into the court that he um, was hurting very much. He was hurting for what he did. He's worthwhile. Somewhere in there, he is worthwhile. and. He can get help, and I hope he does. Armitage also offered to meet with the family in a program for victims. As he walked out of court, he told the family he was sorry. Grace Key, Global News.
2: BC's police watchdog has concluded VPD officers were not responsible for a crash involving a Surrey fugitive. The incident happened in April when officers tried to stop the driver of a Nissan. The driver fled from police but got into a multi-vehicle crash just blocks away at East 2nd in Quebec. The driver then took off on foot but was later arrested. The IIO says officers did the right thing in not pursuing the Nissan when it was clear the driver did not intend to stop and therefore are not responsible for causing the
1: crash. A B.C. Mountie is in some hot water over videos he's posted online. It is clear the Mountie is no fan of Prime Minister Trudeau and the videos raise concerns about political bias in the force. Catherine Urquhart now with a response from the RCMP and members of the public. Hello, and welcome to the Church of Trudeau. My name is Father B, and I am the host and high prophet of the Church of Trudeau. This
7: video was posted by a member of the RCMP dressed as a church
1: leader. Our religion teaches the importance of socialism of canceling everything that offends anyone, of being woke and highly emotional. The satirical political videos
7: were posted weekly some taking aim at immigration policies and support for LGBTQ plus groups.
8: I think police officers are necessarily held to a higher standard because of the roles that they play in our communities for, you know, keeping the peace, ensuring public safety. There are great concerns that the conduct of this member uh, did not meet that high bar.
7: By email, the RCMP stated the videos were not representative of the views of the RCMP, Content and viewpoints on the website fell far short of meeting the levels of professionalism expected of our officers and that a fulsome review of the highly unprofessional offending materials was completed and administrative options are being considered.
9: In my opinion, we have to really question whether he can go out there, serve our communities, police our communities in an unbiased fashion, given the fact that he's expressed strong opinions against political beliefs, uh, gender issues, immigration, and all of those significant issues that make up society here in Canada.
7: In Trail, residents appear to have mixed opinions on the Mounties' actions.
2: We all have a right
6: to freedom of speech, but does
2: your job regulate what you can
7: have and say.
8: For being a police officer, you're supposed to be like upstanding, professional, respectful and honourable.
7: The RCMP aren't saying when they'll make a decision about the officer's future in policing. Katherine, Urquhart, Global News.
2: Tech Metals has been ordered to pay $2.2 million in federal and provincial fines for a spill in Warfield. The subsidiary of Tech Resources Limited previously pleaded guilty to two charges laid under the Fisheries Act and one under BC's Environmental Management Act. Charges came after the release of waste into the Columbia River back in 2019. Caused by a leak of the company's fertilizer operations, the 2.5 million liter discharge resulted from numerous operational errors. Investigators found the low pH effluent was harmful to fish. The small-scale scandal surrounding Stanley Park's mini-train. It has been broken down for months and greatly impacted fundraising during bright nights at Stanley Park. So why did park board staff say they couldn't find the parts to keep it running when there's an identical train running over on Vancouver Island? Jordan Armstrong jumps aboard to investigate. That's next on the Hour.
10: Splashdown. Space
1: yeast. What UBC researchers are learning from experiments that just got back from orbit and how it might save human lives later on the News Hour.
2: And saved in the nick of time, neglected dogs rescued from inhumane living conditions. That's still to come.
1: Right now, though, the shutdown of the Stanley Park train not only disappointed a lot of children, it left a charity out in the cold. The Burn Fund experienced a 50% drop in donations over the holidays because the train didn't run.
2: The equipment is old, but as Jordan Armstrong shows us, it's not exactly rare. And those, pardon me, and those with a much smaller budget than the Vancouver Park Board have no trouble keeping it rolling.
0: When the Stanley Park train stopped running last September, the Vancouver Park Board came up with the explanation it was, quote, antique and needed highly specialized service and maintenance. Welcome to Gailey Farms in Saanich, a family business which manages to keep its miniature train, the same make and model as the one in Stanley Park, on track. It's
11: constant inspections. you got to inspect the equipment all the time. you got to look for any kind of
0: corrosion. And do you have a budget of millions of dollars like the Vancouver Park Board does? Absolutely not. Um, we do a lot ourselves. And they do it with a crew of just five people, including a father and son with railroading in their blood. How's this to operate and maintain in terms of those big trains?
12: Well, you know, it's almost identical except on a smaller scale.
0: Remember, when it comes to Stanley Park, the park board told us it was an issue of vintage and unique machinery. But a Technical Safety BC report obtained by Global News suggests it was more about basic upkeep citing corrosion plus overgrown vegetation and decaying infrastructure as reasons the train failed safety inspection.
10: If you don't let it get to that advanced state of deterioration, you can keep it going on a relatively, you know, normalized annual operating budget.
13: Clearly the Stanley Park train is not a priority for the park board at this time.
0: With the train down for bright nights, the burn fund saw a 50% drop in donations. No one from Vancouver Park Board Management would speak on camera. A recent request for proposals seeks to fully electrify the gas-powered locomotives. The Stanley Park train is a slightly smaller, less common track gauge than the one in Saanich, which could make obtaining parts more difficult. Still, there are hundreds of similar trains in North America. And as Rob Gailey points out, the manufacturer is still around and provides top-notch customer care
11: their support is phenomenal
0: so was it a lack of expertise or a lack of will that derailed this beloved attraction we don't know what is clear is that five men on a family farm who don't have the luxury of taxpayer funding a city works yard or even a repair bay have maintained a miniature railway without issue while a local government
1: offshoot watched theirs rot Jordan Armstrong, Global News. TransLink is making it a little easier for commuters to get around, now allowing you to tap as you go with Interact Debit. And to emphasize the point, why not use a wildly oversized debit card? Transit users can pay without having to use a compass vending machine or compass cards. You can use either a physical card or your smartphone digital wallet. Thousands of bus and fare gates have already been upgraded throughout Metro Vancouver. And this means that when you get to any fare gate on our system, or when you get on any bus, you're going to have another way to pay. And this makes transit more convenient, especially for customers who may not have easy access to a credit card. A recent survey from Interact suggests a growing number of British Columbians want a more convenient way to pay for transit. 64% also claimed tap payments would save time when paying fares.
2: Troubling news for anyone who has kids in daycare. A report has found almost half of child care operators say they're losing more staff than they can hire. But as Jennifer Palmer reports, the provincial government is promising
5: help is on the way amazing child care educators work here a sign reminding everyone of how children are kept safe cared for and learning but it's also a reminder more needs to be done to ensure there's enough early childhood educators to do the work very challenging situation right now with our staffing a lot of it is a trickle down from covid Um, You know, increased sick time, increased mental health breaks. A report released by the Early Childhood Educators of BC is delivering an alarming stat. 45% of child care operators say they're losing more staff than they can hire. The report also highlighting 27% of employers had to turn children away because of a lack of qualified staff. And now with $10 a day daycare, the situation is becoming more difficult as the demand for child care spaces increases. We're extremely hesitant to do any expansion to meet the the demand because we're not sure we can appropriately staff it with with the qualified educators we're going to need. Some of the reasons workers are leaving, lack of benefits and low pay. The report showing that from 2019 to 2021, wages increased between $2.50 and $4 an hour, with some workers facing a starting wage under $20 an hour. They're asking the province for help to retain and recruit staff.
2: Implement a provincial wage grid that looks at all the working conditions for all early childhood educators. So not only wages, but also benefits,
5: pay tensions. The province says they're supporting the industry by adding spaces to train ECEs. There are bursaries and a wage enhancement to retain workers. They've also opened up pathways for immigrant workers, but when it comes to a wage grid...
2: It's work that we're doing now, that we're undertaking now, and uh, work that we're doing with the sector that will have conversations with
5: stakeholders, and and, uh, I'll be able to say more in the future. Work that will be essential to retain and recruit early childhood educators and to make them feel they're just as important as teachers. Jennifer Palma, Global News.
10: Next, the lost luggage nightmare. Helen checked our Apple AirTag, which we had, and it said our bag was 4,000 kilometres away, which didn't sound good.
1: Why they know where their bag is, but still might never get it our back. Device. Coming up in Consumer Matters.
2: And cannabis consumption zones. Who's in favour and who's not?
7: Busy but steady in both directions here tonight at the Alex Fraser Bridge with leftover volume as usual on the east-west connector between night and the S-curve. Renew your ICBC auto plan online with BC's most trusted insurance brand. Just select BCAA as your preferred broker. Learn more at bcaa.com car. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge.
2: Major delays and cancellations at airports around the United States and Canada this morning as an outage of key infrastructure at the Federal Aviation Administration brought air travel across the U.S. to a halt.
1: An investigation is underway, but the backlog could last days. Global's Reggie Cicchini reports.
8: At some of the busiest travel hubs in the United States, the Wednesday morning rush was at a standstill.
13: You would not think that this could happen in this day and age.
8: Late Tuesday, the FAA reported a system outage, and within a few hours, airplanes couldn't land or take off. The issue, a failure of the Notice to Air Mission System, a bulletin board of sorts that provides key flying information to personnel. It provides status to airlines and uh, pilots operating flights of conditions across the country, and this is a safety system. The collapse of the software resulted in a nationwide ground stop a step rarely taken, but one officials felt necessary to avoid missed safety messages. The last time a full ground stop occurred was September 11, 2001.
14: We want to make sure uh, that we get to the root causes so this does not happen again.
8: The U.S. Transportation Secretary says a review of the failure and its backup systems will be conducted, and it hasn't ruled out a cyber attack. Congress is also demanding answers.
1: Where did we have a failure? Why do we have a failure? Why were we not ready to respond in a failure?
8: We need to understand why with uh, all of that redundancy, it still rose to the level uh, that there had to be a ground stop. Reliance on aging systems can spell disaster when they go down. By midday Wednesday, more than 7,000 flights were delayed and more than 1,200 cancelled in and out of the U.S.
14: Confused, yes. Stressed out, yes. Tired, yes. But I'd rather be safe than sorry.
8: While the computers are up and running, the trickle-down effect has taken its toll on nearly all U.S.-bound flights, which officials fear could take days to get back on schedule. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington.
1: Well, it seems more and more people are using tracking devices like Apple AirTags after numerous reports of bags going missing at airports. But even then, you might still be out of luck.
2: Consumer Matters reporter Andrew joins us with the story of one air passenger's experience who had success with his AirTag, but... Little cooperation so far from
13: the airline. And Thanks, Sophie. When Victoria resident and Air Canada passenger Paul Clifford arrived home from Mexico and his luggage didn't show up at the baggage carousel in Vancouver, he turned to his AirTag and tracked it down on his phone. In fact, when he contacted Air Canada, he thought the AirTag might assist the airline in locating his bag. Instead, the lost luggage ended up even farther away. Paul Clifford and his wife Helen have spent close to seven weeks trying to retrieve their lost luggage. Trouble is, they've located their bag, but they say they can't get help from Air Canada.
10: If something goes wrong, you'd expect that they would take care of you.
13: After hearing countless reports of airlines losing luggage, the Victoria couple thought they would invest in an Apple AirTag, a wireless tracking device that can attach to several items, including checked bags. The technology was put to the test this past November and the couple was returning home from Mexico City. When they landed in Vancouver before departing to Victoria, Paul's wife checked their AirTag on their phone. And it said
10: our bag was 4,000 kilometres away, which didn't sound good.
13: It wasn't. The bag was still sitting at Mexico City International Airport. Paul said he contacted Air Canada and opened a claim right away. He says he was told he would have his bag in a short period of time.
10: Well, my bag never arrived. Again reiterated that there was nothing they could do except send a, a note to Mexico City.
13: Two weeks went by and Paul and his wife were in for a shock. When the couple checked the location of their air tag, it indicated the bag was now at the International Airport. IN MADRID, SPAIN.
10: HOW CAN THIS HAPPEN?
13: PAUL SAYS HE CONTINUED TO CALL AIR CANADA
10: WITH NO RESULTS. THEY WOULD ESCALATE THE FILE UP TO A MORE IMPORTANT STAGE AND I WOULD BE CONTACTED IN 48 HOURS. THAT NEVER HAPPENED.
13: CONSUMER MATTERS REACHED OUT TO AIR CANADA ON PAUL'S BEHALF. AIR CANADA EXPRESSING ITS REGRET, STATING IN PART, GIVEN THE TIME THAT HAS NOW PASSED WITHOUT SUCCESS RECOVERING THE BAGGAGE, WE HAVE ADVISED THE CUSTOMER WE ARE MOVING TO COMPENSATION. The claim is currently being processed and we will be following up directly with the customer. After that response, we sent Air Canada a recent screenshot of Paul's luggage sitting in Madrid and asked if Air Canada was still planning on retrieving the bag, but we did not get a response. Some airline industry experts say when it comes to baggage handling, it's often not a priority for the airline.
9: It's not a part of the service strategy of an airline to really make sure the bag takes the least amount of detours to destination.
13: In Paul Clifford's case, with Air Canada stating it's moving to compensation, he says he's now left feeling frustrated and, like his bag, abandoned. And even though Air Canada told us Paul's claim is currently being processed and it would be following up directly with him, Paul says he has yet to hear from Air Canada. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Hopefully he gets that bag back
2: one day, thanks Anne. Up next, unintended consequences of new rental regulations.
12: When this first came out, there was a knee-jerk reaction.
2: The drastic measures some stratas are considering to get around the rules.
1: And signs of recovery in whale populations on the wild west coast with one notable exception.
7: Counterflow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel and traffic is actually in pretty decent shape both north and south. Today's Lotto 649 Gold Ball Jackpot is $10 million plus the classic $5 million jackpot, two jackpots on every draw. I'm Trish Jewison and Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
1: BC is about to remove most rental restrictions for Stratas in an effort to free up more units for rent.
2: But some buildings have found a way to keep some limits by skewing older Richard Zussman reports.
12: Massive change
11: causing a massive reaction.
12: People are, they're afraid of the change. So now they're, you know, they're trying to make, take some sort of measure.
11: Later this year, the BC government will remove all rental restrictions at Strata buildings. But a Victoria realtor, Tony Zarzadias, says some Stratas are considering moving to 55 plus, limiting who can be in the building.
12: When this first came out, there was a knee-jerk reaction, and about 20 Stratas in Victoria immediately like, made a motion to change their uh, bylaws to 55 plus.
11: There are about 300,000 Strata units currently under rental restrictions in B.C., at least 2,900 of those owned by people who would like to rent them out. B.C. Housing Minister Ravi Callon says some owners may be confused about the change to Strata policies.
9: Anyone that thinks that by changing the law or bylaws to go 55 and above means no renters in their building, they're completely wrong. Uh, It means that you're going to have renters that are 55 and over.
11: If a strategy is to go 55 plus, those younger than that age currently in the building would not be impacted. What is less clear is what would happen if they decide to have a child or add to their family you're going to make it more complicated for the residents
9: that are living there. Uh, These new rules have a lot of unintended consequences. And uh, we're urging them to say, you know what, there's going to be renters in our building and, and they'll find when they do have renters in the building that it's okay.
11: Historically, restrictions have had an impact on value, pushing sale prices down because it limits the buyer's pool. I'm really encouraging strata corporations to think about what those implications are because it could have a significant effect on property values in the, in the future, their ability to sell units. The prevailing message from the province, renters are people too. Richard Zosman, Global News, Victoria.
1: Animal cruelty charges are being recommended after the SPCA seized 13 dogs from a Clearwater breeder a day after two severely malnourished dogs were surrendered from the same property. And a warning, the images in this story might be disturbing. Many of the dogs were found outside with no access to food, water or shelter. Inside, they found seven 10-week-old Cane Corso puppies who had no food. There's evidence some of the dogs had been eating wood and even blankets to stay alive. SPCA officers call this one of the worst cases of neglect they've ever seen and say the animals face a long road of physical and psychological healing.
2: Cannabis tourism is a multi-billion dollar industry and a new survey from the province suggests where there's smoke, there's fire. As Amadagahi reports, B.C. could stand to cash in on what's known as cannabis consumption spaces. But not everyone is in favor.
12: The province continues to consider whether to allow potential licenses for cannabis consumption spaces. The results of a survey perhaps shaping its policy has found... There may be at least 750,000 people in BC who are interested in visiting a cannabis consumption space at least once. Just like having coffee or
15: going to the bar for a beer, right?
12: The Ministry of Public Safety considered phone, online and written submissions, finding greater support for licensed cannabis consumption spaces among respondents who were cannabis users, cannabis retailers and industry associations those not in support typically non-users public health organizations and some local governments while younger male cannabis users were particularly supportive it's legal
0: now
1: so it's not like so it's not like you have you can say like oh it's illegal
12: the top concerns for those against continue to be fears of overconsumption mixing with alcohol impaired driving smell and the impact on neighborhoods i think alcohol
10: uh, poses significantly greater threat to, um, you know, public safety if, you know, people are drunk driving or whatever. And it's ridiculous that this is taking so long to come up with a simple idea like a safe place for cannabis users to go and consume cannabis.
12: The province says indoor smoking and vaping would not be an option at its cannabis consumption spaces. With licenses instead possibly given to an outdoor music venue with a cannabis garden, a spa setting with cannabis products and services or a bakery. It's really important for us to remember that these things are key to unlocking the tourism potential in British Columbia because I think it would be really
9: um, appealing to somebody who's joining us as a tourist to you know come and say oh look there is a cannabis you know cafe that I can go in and buy a muffin that's an infused or go to a
12: spa or I can get a cannabis facial. The province adding that at this time no decisions have been made. Imadagahi Global News.
2: Coming up, from from beer to better health care, what the humble yeast organism is teaching us after its recent flight into space.
1: And coming up in sports, the long road back for a Vancouver Giants player injured at the World Juniors Tournament.
0: From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together global news connect
1: more encouraging signs today about the state of the ecosystem in the salish sea
2: the pacific whale watch association says 2022 was another record year for both Biggs killer whales and humpbacks There were more than 1,200 big sightings last year. That's double the number from just five years ago. Humpback whales were spotted almost 400 times, the biggest number in at least a century. Still, there is continuing concern for the endangered salmon-eating resident killer whales, which are rarely encountered. The difference? Bigs killer whales feed on marine mammals and have been increasing steadily for the past decade.
1: All right, let's take a look at what's going on in the weather. Had a beautiful sunset last night, not quite Mm -hmm. the same tonight. And uh, Christy's got all the details about what to expect.
16: Remember we were talking about red skies at night, sailor's delight, so I Mm -hmm. thought I would show you this because, yes, it was a bit of a delight today, but it's not the case now, everyone. We have quite an atmospheric river. It's really targeting right now areas south of us, but it's going to shift up into our region and sort of uh, stall over our region, just funneling that moisture to our region starting tonight right through the end of the day on Friday. So, here's a quick look at the areas under a warning. It highlighted in green 60 to 120 millimeters is possible during that time period and it's the fact that we're going to see that prolonged period of rain also the areas highlighted in purple under a wind warning and that could see those areas could see a southeasterly gust tonight into tomorrow morning up to 90 kilometers an hour so we could see some power outages in the victoria region but it's really those uh, the rainfall that we're concerned about here's the distribution across the area so areas like victoria far less 20 millimeters there potentially areas like abbotsford far less as well but across metro Vancouver, especially along the North Shore Mountains, we could see substantial rainfall. There'll be quite a a distribution or a a variability across the region from north to south. And particularly, I want to highlight that Howe Sound region. Uh, That's where we could see an excess of 100 millimeters, so potentially up to that 120 millimeter mark. Uh, Across the northern region, some light flurries for inland regions. Uh, These areas warmer during the day, so flurries in the morning transitioning to showers during the day, but really the heaviest precipitation will be across Vancouver Island and the lower mainland region, mostly along those western slopes of the mountain edges. So west coast of Vancouver Island, sunshine coast, potentially House Sound and North Shore Mountains. The wet pattern continues over the next little while. So even beyond this atmospheric river, we don't have much of a break. We may see some breaks in the clouds on Saturday, but that's about it. And that sunset was so stellar last night. I had to show one more photo for you to enjoy. This is looking out from the Cypress Mountain area. Thank you to Anson for sharing that with us look at that
2: looks like a painting sure does Mm -hmm.
16: all right thanks christy the girl guides of canada have officially
2: changed the name of the brownies branch
1: they will now be called the embers the organization says they made the change because it dissuaded some racialized girls and women from joining the outdoor adventure and activity group after an online vote they picked embers over second place comets Girl Guides say the change will still take several months to replace the name on all of its website and marketing materials, but it will be fully adopted by September 1st. Way to go, Embers.
2: I mean, it makes sense because there's sparks then and embers. then embers. And then I don't know how Girl Guides relate, but... Oh, well, maybe we've got to revisit that one, too.
1: <laughs> all right, let's bring uh, in sure.
2: Squire. Obviously, you have sports coming up, but uh, there's I do. a big loss uh, in I the know.
17: music um, world. Yeah, I wanted to uh, talk about this because uh, Jeff Beck, who of course is one of the uh, legendary guitarists of all time, died today from bacterial meningitis. I think he was 78 years old. I wanted to show you this photo of um, Jeff Beck. This was taken by the great D. Lippingwell, a local photographer. She couldn't get into the Agridol that night. This was a story. So the roadie asked Jeff Beck, hey, can you just come out to the door and let her take your photo? And the police officer on the other side, I think, thought the photo was being taken of him, and he had no idea Jeff Beck was standing there. Wow. If I'm not very much mistaken, I think Jeff Beck asked D. Lippingwell for a copy of that photo.
2: Wouldn't it be great to find that officer, too, though?
1: <laughs> Maybe somebody would Well, he might be watching the this? show
17: right now, <laughs> but I don't think he realized that Jeff Beck was on the other side of the door.
1: He was a special talent, no doubt about it. Wow. That's very cool. What a neat story. Thanks, Squire.
17: All right. Thanks, Squire.
2: Uh, Squire does have sports coming up. Also tonight, the microorganism that hitched a ride into space and why UBC researchers are so excited to study it.
1: in hockey is simple score more goals than your opponent but Canucks are having a hard time doing that
17: well they score a lot of goals the unfortunate thing is the other team scores even more Mm -hmm. Um, in their last five losses the Vancouver Canucks have allowed an average of five goals per game so that right there tells you a three nothing lead like they had in Pittsburgh last night in the first period is not enough when the Canucks have to go on defense They look like a group of people standing on the beach trying to hold back the waves. I know it seems longer, but we're not even at the halfway point of the regular season. We're 40 games in. Tomorrow's game in Tampa will be the Canucks' official halfway point. And here are the demoralizing digits for Vancouver. Everything that has to do with defense is bad. Goals allowed per game. Third worst in the NHL. Actually, it's tied for second worst, I think. Unlike last year, the goalies are not bailing the Canucks out. Worst save percentage, penalty kill, worst in the league. And it's so bad, pretty good offensive numbers. Goals per game and a decent power play cannot cover up for any of the defensive shortcomings. And Bruce Boudreaux, who knows nothing short of a second-half miracle, will save his job, will not throw his players under the bus. You have to admire him for that. He tries to find positives in everything, including last night's 5-4 loss to Pittsburgh.
1: I know the guys at the end they want to win so bad. I mean they were all standing up on the bench, and every time the puck went at the net they're you know you're yelling positive stuff and go in, go in and and so i mean uh I know they're they're not giving up or nothing, but i mean it's uh it's i'm I'm glad we have a day off uh in between before the next game.
17: Courtney Kessel is the coach for Canada's under-18 team at the World Women's Championship. And yes, she is the sister-in-law of Phil Kessel. And this is Caitlin Kramer, who has been a huge star at this tournament. Six goals in only three games. That made it 1-1 in the second period. Emily Pye would score here to make it 2-1. And Canada would win this 3-1. Canada is in the semifinals on Saturday. They don't know their opponent just yet. Vancouver Giants forward Samuel Honzek is considered a first-round prospect this year, despite getting a rare injury playing for Slovakia at the recent World Junior Hockey Championships.
15: Uh, I would say I'm doing pretty well right now. So,
18: Vancouver Giants forward Sam Honzek is on the mend after his World Juniors experience was abruptly ended by a skate cut to his left calf. An injury that will keep Sam out of the lineup for at least a month, but thankfully hasn't
15: ended his season or
18: his promising career.
15: It was kind of unlucky, but, like, I didn't notice that, that, that I had the cut. But I just, like, oh, I'm going to play. And then I just, like, put pressure on my leg, and it's like, oh, something is wrong. And then I went to the bench, and when I was getting over the bench, I was like, oh, my God, I saw it, like, cut. So it was really like open, so then it's like, oh my God, then I'm probably done, so.
18: This was Honzak's second opportunity to play for his country and showcase the skills that have him touted as a potential first-round draft pick. It was a freak injury that luckily didn't sever any major tendons or arteries. One that will also keep Sam from skating in the Canadian Hockey League's top prospects game. However, that shouldn't affect his draft ranking.
1: The body of work that he's created thus far in the first half of the season, and uh, and what these guys know about about Sam off the ice, uh, the, the character he has, the passion to play the game,
10: um, I don't think it's going to affect his draft status.
15: You can th- think negative, and you get when you won't get healthy soon. So, the first thing they said to me like, don't think about it. Just think positive. Think about recovery. And I'm trying to do that. So. Then I'm going to be back soon.
18: Hanzak is shooting for a return sometime in February. Between now and then, it'll be four to six weeks of physio. His cast was removed from his foot on Tuesday, and from now until his on-ice return, he'll rehab under the watchful eye of longtime athletic trainer Mike Bernstein, who dealt with similar skate injuries during his tenure with the Vancouver Canucks. You've been through it before with uh, Kevin and Sammy Sell. How was Sam Honzak's skate injury?
10: It's similar. I mean, uh, we kind of lucked out in a lot of ways, Jay, that it uh, wasn't as significant as those previous guys that you mentioned. So it didn't require, like, any surgical repairs. So that part was really good. Once you're in the cast for a couple weeks, it's it's really key just to get the mobility back. And that's going to take us a couple weeks just to get his foot function normal again. And then back to like athletic exercises and back to gradually skating.
15: I will focus on this second half of the season and try to bring, again, what I accomplished during the first and maybe more. San
17: Francisco 49ers are heavy favourites to beat Seattle in this Saturday's playoff game. The Hawks have already played and lost to San Francisco twice in the regular season. And in those two games, the 49ers' defence put the stop on Seattle's rushing attack, and the Hawks need to run the ball well to win. As good as Geno Smith has been, the whole game cannot be put in his hands. But the 49ers are still wary that Seattle's run game could break through on Saturday.
1: Their offense um, has been running the ball better here in this last month. You know, I think they're ranked sixth in running the ball over four-game this four game stretch. So they're playing pretty good right now, uh, as good as they have been all year. And um, turning on the tape, they're They're a better team than they were four weeks ago, and um, it's not a surprise to me that they're in this position. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. Coming up, she dared me to do it, yeast (laughs) in space. Thank you. (laughs) From the brewery to the moon and back, groundbreaking experiments that could help protect (laughs) humans next.
2: You don't have to take every dare, you know. Kamal Karmali is standing by with a look ahead to Global News at 11. Kamal?
0: Sophie, Kelowna police says it's seeing an increase of false 911 calls coming from smart watches. Police have responded to six separate false 911 calls on the slopes over the ski season. Why the watches keep sending a distress signal and their message to smart watch users. And job losses in Prince George can for announcing the permanent closure of the pulp line at their pulp and paper mill affecting 300 positions. The reason behind the shutdown, those stories and more tonight on Global News at 11.
2: All right, thanks, Kamal.
1: Well, it felt like Christmas for a lot of people at UBC, uh, in the UBC Research Department today, unboxing a pair of experiments that recently turned, returned to Earth. I wasn't distracted at all by that camera move, by the way. It's all fine. It felt like Christmas for researchers Studying experiments that recently returned to Earth after 26 days in space orbiting the moon inside NASA's Orion capsule.
2: As Julie Nolan reports, the experiments will hopefully provide more insight into how deep space travel
14: will affect human cells.
10: Reefing in progress.
14: Precious cargo floats back down to Earth.
10: Splashdown.
14: The Artemis 1 mission aboard the Orion spacecraft made its return mid December with science experiments the size of a shoebox containing cultures of single cell green algae and yeast.
9: The field has worked on yeast for over a century, um, motivated by making better beer, um, but we've learned quite a bit about them.
14: And while better beer is an admirable goal, UBC researcher Corey Nisla wants to fully understand the genetic changes in these vials over the month they were in space.
9: About 20 years ago, a group of labs got together and surgically removed each and every gene in the yeast genome and put a little DNA barcode in there.
14: Nislo says that DNA barcode will eventually lead to more knowledge, especially the impact of space travel on human travelers.
9: Which mutants were most sensitive to being exposed to cosmic radiation in lunar orbit and which yeast mutants were most resistant?
14: Although this research seems like it's only out in orbit, these findings could lead to saving lives here on Earth by designing better treatments for cancer patients undergoing radiation and chemotherapy.
9: The effects of microgravity are, are quite minimal, um, but the effects
10: of radiation are quite severe. So that tells you what genes and pathways are important for survival in specific environments. That's the fundamental idea of Corey's work.
14: Careful analysis of the data comes
9: next, and that could take a while. What do we know about those same genes in human cells? And that's the starting point for what I hope will be another five to ten years of research.
14: And in a future where space travel becomes commonplace, research by Nislow and his team will shape the future of survival both on Earth and beyond. Julie Nolan, Global News. I'M STILL ON THE YEAST IN
1: SPACE. <laughs> THE SHOW TOOK A WEIRD TURN AFTER I DID THAT, SO... WELL, IT WAS ENTERTAINING. <laughs> LET'S HOPE SO.
2: ALL RIGHT. Uh, Christy, it CLEARLY CHRIS AND I CANNOT BE TRUSTED WITH THE REST OF THE SHOW, yeah. SO IT'S UP TO YOU.
16: <laughs> OKAY. We'll fix it up here. You know, the problem is, is that we have just wet weather on the way. I don't have anything great to say. So pull out the parka, or the rain jacket, I should say, and the gumboots and the umbrellas and all of it right through the end of the day on Friday. Just take shelter.
1: Take shelter, no <laughs> doubt. And if you're wondering about the yeast in space reference, look up pigs in space on YouTube and you know yeah. what will t- you'll know what we're talking about. <laughs> Thanks for watching everyone. Faith Have a great night. <laughs>
9: exactly.
2: exactly. Exactly. Good night all.